0: Brought to you by the Reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready, are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com.
1: So, Chuck, it's really hot here. Yes, we are still in Guatemala
0: here on Thursday. Yeah. Although we recorded this, we bypassed the space-time
1: continuum to fool you all. And it's actually quite comfortable here in the studio. It is. It's lovely, and hopefully neither one of us has died from typhoid at this point. Or been taken hostage, <laughs> which i got to tell you I'm worried
0: about. Right. And hopefully what's happening is you guys are reading about this on our blog at
1: HowStuffWorks.com, the Stuff You Should Know blog. Right.
0: Depending on our internet, we are uploading daily posts about our experience here.
1: Either that or if uh, what Chuck just said proves false, that means that we have spotty internet down in Guatemala and all of them will be uploaded the following week after we get back, right? That's it. Okay, so uh, look for those live now on on the blogs at HowStuffWorks.com or the week beginning the 15th. podcast i'm josh clark with me as always is charles w bryant and guest producer matt frederick yeah matt uh is filling in for jerry who's sick right now because she's got the hepatitis yeah, she doesn't really i got that. the hepatitis no you don't what do you think they injected us
0: with uh folks we got hepatitis shots by the way because we are traveling to central america guatemala and uh they said that that's a good thing to get and i don't know what they inject you with they
1: inject you with inactive hepatitis so your body can form antibodies right sure so when you get with the active one it's like you can't stay here see jerry like got sick and i was like i feel good i feel awful my arms hurt i feel (laughs) sore i feel like i'm getting sick because i also got the tet the tdap yeah the, the tetanus diphtheria yeah and um i I don't feel very good right now, Chuck. Do you remember last year when I got sick for like eighteen straight <laughs> weeks? Yeah, that was fun. Well, I'm hoping to fight this one off. so we got Maddie in here. Which yeah, was a pleasure. Hey, Matt, Matt of lines and scissors. are you guys still together?
0: Sort of so, at one so. point, the singer left and the guitar player left, and like Matt was left with a drum kit and like a part time keyboard player or something. You and can make something these days with that. I think it's weeks later they decided they wanted to be in the
1: band again, though, so I think they're like working on a reunion tour now. <laughs> and it all began with a camping trip that one person wasn't invited to. <laughs> it's historic. So, Matt, good to have you here, my friend. I concur. Do you have an intro, or should we just say, let's talk about Braille? Let's talk about Braille. Okay. I do a little bit. You know much about Louis Braille? Yeah, Sure. Louis Braille
0: invented Braille because he was a blind boy. You know how he got blind? Yeah, he
1: stuck something sharp in his eye. He did. Yeah, an awl. Yeah, a w l. Yes, thank you. My thick tongue does not allow for all. a distinction between awl <laughs> and all. Yeah, uh, he did that when he was three years old. Yeah, his dad was a leather worker, and he used the awl, which is a basically a very sharp pointed instrument yeah. with a. You could lobotomize somebody with it. Uh, it's a little big, but sure, it'd be a. Uh, He almost lobotomized himself with it. He a gruesome lobotomy. He was screwing around with it, and it slid out of his hand and hit his eye, right? Yeah. And then what, he got infected? Yeah, he got infected, and then he lost sight in his other eye because of
0: sympathetic ophthalmia, which is when one eye says, well, if that eye's not going to stick
1: around, then I'm going to go off to duty as well. Yeah. (laughs) But that wasn't mentioned in this article. I thought that was surprising. Uh, It is a bit surprising. Um, That reminds me of A King of the Hill where – Hank Hill goes blind in one eye, and then he goes blind in the other, and Gary, his uh, mom's boyfriend, is like, I've never heard of an eye <laughs> sympathetically shutting down before. I was hoping you were going to say it had something to do with con. No, I can't <laughs> do a good
0: con. That was good. Well, all you got to say is con. Right. I'm I'm Laotian. And then you're
1: supposed to say, you're from the ocean? <laughs> I can't do a good Hank Hill either. None of those are. I don't good. watch it anymore. Ever since they either. brought Tom Petty on, I'm like, this Is he on that show? Oh, you're kidding. Yeah. As it's, a character? Yeah. Or as Tom Petty? As a character? Huh. Yeah, it's awful. I love Petty, and I love King of the Hill. I'll How do you love out. Tom Petty? Because he's great. <sighs> I'm sorry, I just threw up in my mouth a little <laughs> I, I bit. You're awful. Um, anyway, <laughs> wow, we already got <laughs> off on attention. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Louis Braille was not one to be kept down. No. Despite an all sticking into his eye and no. going completely blind by age three. True. Right? Yeah, he was inspired, in fact, uh, some years later
0: when he was a teen, by a visitor that came from the Royal Institution for Blind Youth. Right, a guy named Charles Barbier. Yeah, and this was in the uh, early 1820s or mid-1820s, depending on who you ask. Late 1820s. Other sources say early. Okay. Another issue with this article. All right. Uh, and... He and this guy, Barbier had invented a code called uh, night writing to mm-hmm. allow soldiers to communicate to each other in the dark. And this is not to be confused with night rider or night swimming. No, <laughs> um, is it not night rider? I thought it was night rider. Night rider. I thought he invented the the, the
1: car. No, he invented night writing. Oh, okay, totally different. And that did not catch on in army. Okay, right. Right, so he, he went to the uh, School for the Blind, uh-huh. where Louis Braille was 12 when Barbier visited, I guess. And boom. Yeah. Smart little kid says, I can use this. He Yeah, and he could. And actually, within three years, he'd worked out the kinks. Um, he basically optimized night writing, uh and um, created his own system, which we know and love now as Braille, at age 15. Yeah. By age 20, he print, he published his first uh, book in Braille. Awesome. It was probably large and bulky. But, strangely enough, Braille didn't catch on uh, no. globally or even um, in France uh, until after he died. Right.
0: And even then, it was popular with the Institute uh, for Blind Youth, but it still wasn't like super widespread. Because, and this is something I didn't know, this is sort of like the totem pole cast. There's all these little tidbits I never knew. Uh there were competing codes, and different inventors came up with different codes. So clearly, uh, when there's different systems out there, it's going to be hard to decide which one to use and hard for one to become widespread. Right. So that's one reason.
1: Did you know there's uh, no universal sign language? I believe I did know that. Yeah. One of the competing, um, I, I guess, a tactile alphabet is what you would call these things in general. Oh, yeah. um, it was created by a guy named Valentin Howie. Uh, yeah, I don't even know. You shouldn't even try. H a u umlaut y. It's not Uder. No, it's umlaut. Oh. <laughs> okay. Um, he created a system that is basically kind of wavy uh, Latin characters. Yeah. But it looked very much like the, the the characters that we use here in in the West. Sure. But they were uh, a little wavier, a little more elongated. I guess ostensibly. So that you could feel them more easily. And still to this day, some people um, consider this type of tactile writing um, easier to learn. Yeah, true. Very good point. Thanks. The thing is, Braille eventually did catch on, Chuck. And um, these days, Louis Braille is looked upon in much the same way that um, uh, Johann Gutenberg is. Yeah, sure. I think actually... um, Helen Keller on the anniversary – the 100th anniversary of Louis Braille's death Uh said something along the lines of, um, in our small way, we the blind are as indebted to Louis Braille as mankind is to Gutenberg. Sure. He uh, basically took a group of humans who were virtually unrecognized in the educational system and gave them a way to become educated people.
0: Right. Literate Created literacy, both of them did. Yeah, among the blind. Yeah, and they both took a little while to catch on, largely because um, well, well, one of the reasons we said with the Braille was because there were competing codes. But they are also, uh, the books, Braille books, were really bulky and large. Still are. Well, they still are. But back then, dude, it was even worse. Like you didn't want to be lugging around
1: Braille books in your rucksack. No, and Tracy, who wrote this article, um, is a huge Harry Potter fan. Indeed. So she described how big Harry Potter and what, the Half-Blood something else, something? I don't know. Whatever. (laughs) Half-Blood Prince. There you go. That Harry Potter book is 14 volumes long in it's Braille edition. Wow. That's long. Yeah. Uh, And yeah, they're heavy. They have to be um, published uh, using a loose leaf. Yeah, yeah. So that the – with the – ring binder down Uh the middle so that the pages can sit flat so you can hit the cells all the way. And I think, actually, Chuck, we may be getting ahead of ourselves a little bit. Let's talk about Braille at its basis. Okay. Like what it is literally? Yes. Well,
0: Josh, Louis Braille uh, realized that the uh, night writing method used cells to create an alphabet using dots and dashes. Yeah, and originally Braille used dashes as well. Does not anymore. No. No. But the Braille cells today—they they're a little bit different than um, the original Braille. They do not use dashes,
1: like you said. They are two dots wide and three dots tall. Right. I, at this point, I want everybody who's listening to this podcast to close your eyes. Okay. Okay. You have in your head a cell made up of six dots. Like Chuck just said, it's two dots across mm-hmm. and three dots down in each of the columns. Right. Yes. So you have one, two. Three dots down, uh-huh. and to the next column to the right, you have one, two, three dots down. Now, if you go to the first dot on the first column, which would be the one on the left-hand side, yes, that's, that's the number one dot. Right. The one below that is two, uh-huh. and then three. Right. At the top of the right-hand um, line of dots, uh-huh. you have four, and then five, and then six. Yeah. Using these six dots, you can create 63 character combinations. Correct, Josh. And you would think pretty easy because we've only got 26
0: letters in our alphabet, but they also have to cover punctuation, mm-hmm. uh, contractions, um, musical notes and symbols, basically anything you can think of that you would be able to read with your eyes, it needs to be accounted for within those braille dots.
1: Right. And there are some uh, in the original braille, uh, the English braille alphabet, Right, there um, there is some punctuation included, like, uh, rem- close your eyes again, everybody. Uh, go back to the Braille cell and think of it like a, a domino. It's a rectangle with the dots inside. Okay. Uh, a dot in position two alone is a comma. So remember, that's the middle one on the left-hand column. Okay. Uh, one that is the, uh, in position six alone is the capital sign. Right. So you put that before the next character and you know that it's the it's a capital letter. Yeah. Um, and it just kind of goes on like this. Right. And you also have to represent the numbers, too. We... we...
0: Forgot to add, so zero through nine are represented, and you can obviously make up any combination with those.
1: And you, uh, zero through nine are actually uh, the same thing as letters uh, A through J. Yes. But before uh, each number, you would have a number sign, much like you have a capital sign before the next letter to indicate that it's a number. So the number sign is the letter th- or the uh, third position, right? And then four, five, and six, and then you might have A, B, C, D, E, F. G, H, I, okay. or J, yeah. and then that would be a number instead of a letter. It sounds so complicated. It does. But I imagine if you are um, looking at a book for the first time, exactly. I don't remember back that far. I'm glad you said that. But if you're looking at a, a, a normal book, uh-huh. um, you're probably like, I couldn't think of anything more complicated that I have to do. Exactly. Yeah. And that, that's the point. I'm
0: glad you brought that up because they say that it is very much like learning to read and write for the first time. Um, using the same pathways in the brain, and should we talk about the Wonder machine real quick since I brought that up?
1: Yeah, this is really interesting
0: yes, the f m r i when they uh people
1: read braille, their visual cortex visual cortex mm-hmm.
0: actually fires up,
1: yeah, and there's a couple of theories why yeah uh the first is that when you are blind, you have this uh basically this storage area uh-huh. that is put to use doing other stuff, yeah, pretty cool right. Uh, which would be tactile sensory input rather than visual sensory input. Right. Uh, And then the other theory, Chuck, is that the um, language processing centers uh, actually serve as holding areas for this tactile information. So cool. Yeah. But because it's the brain, we really have no clue. We just know when it's firing up and when it's not. I've lost a tremendous amount of faith in the wonder machine, dude. Really? Yeah. I read this study where this guy – scanned a dead salmon while he showed it pictures of humans and asked them what emotions it was showing, and he (laughs) got a response on the MRI. Yeah, That's disappointing. Yeah, it is.
0: So moving on, Josh. A typical line of Braille is about 40 characters, and a typical page of Braille is about 25 lines. Right, so
1: think about that. That domino, each domino is a character. Uh And in uncontracted Braille or grade one Braille, Every word is spelled out letter by letter, which is why the Harry Potter book is 14 volumes long. Yeah, exactly. Right? So to combat against this huge bulkiness, they've come up with contracted Braille. Yeah, grade two Braille. Mm -hmm. And this is uh,
0: when they group uh, or or they contract Braille literally using representations of whole words or letter combinations. Sort of like shorthand.
1: Yeah, like uh, ing or ed or the or and. Right. They have their own – Rather than three cells for and, you just have one and it's and. Right. But there's a little controversy
0: there as always. Uh, Some people say that uh, uncontracted Braille is really important because it's a foundation for learning contracted Braille. And opponents say that uncontracted Braille is uh, time and space consuming and basically
1: you just don't need to learn two codes. Right. So why bother? It, it's a good question. <laughs> uh, I guess an, a good answer would be that um, what is the standard? What are you going to encounter, contracted or uncontracted? When you're at the ATM machine, yeah, uh, and you're, you're you're reading the uh, the keys, is that contracted or uncontracted? I'm right. pretty sure, if I remember correctly, uh, it's uncontracted. Oh, is it? Because yeah, there's one dot at the number one position, oh, sure. et cetera. Well, I can read that kind of braille. Well, yeah. <laughs> And actually, when it, there's a great illustration showing basic English – the English Braille alphabet, and um, it seems like something you could pick up if you really set your mind to it. That would be kind of cool.
0: Should we talk more about uh, you, you, how you read it? Like you read it from left to right like a regular book, but you write it right to left. Is that correct?
1: Yeah. you have to, you, w- When you make the impression on uh-huh. the page, you have to do it going from right to left – because, think about it, it's you're flipped. going to be flipping the page over to read yeah. the bump. Pretty interesting. It is very interesting. Pretty clever. And you can do this handheld still with a stylus. Yes, yeah, some books are translated from sight books yes. to braille hand, by hand, that which would take, takes hundreds yeah, of hours. But that's not the way to do it anymore. I
0: mean, you can, but there's different ways. Um, now you can get a braille writer which has a key for each of the six dots of a cell. Which makes sense. Makes sense. You can actually get a, a regular uh, QWERTY keyboard attached to a Braille printer. Right. Very easy to
1: use. And um, what else, Josh? Well, if you want to uh, read in the future. Right, which uh, is now. There's movable um, type that reads a screen line by line. Yeah. And um, there's you have basically like a pad that has uh, recessed pins that represent a dot, right? pretty cool. And then based on what the line of text on the screen says, the corresponding dots pop up and you read them, and then as it goes down, they refresh and then pop up again. It's very motorized. Yeah, it's very cool. I actually read um, an article about a NASA scientist who's figured out how to use, um, I think they're called like active polymers, Uh artificial muscles basically, to create a very highly compressed movable type braille keyboard really? so you could apply it to the iPhone or whatever. It looks like wow. the future of it. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh,
0: and then there are obviously if you want to skirt around all the braille, uh, blind people use things like screen readers for their computer Yeah. Uh, to audio books, obviously, and recordings of uh, lectures or friends and family, letters from their friends and family. But I don't know if you remember we did something on the webcast on a, a blind man being blind in modern society. And the New York Times, and this guy was very anti. All these readers, he said, it basically makes blind people lazy, yeah. and they need to get out and and learn braille, just as you need to go out and learn how to read, because you get a better understanding of a word
1: if you understand how to spell it and write it, right, and read it. And plus, also, it's you know, you use a different part of your brain to process language orally than you do visually or um, tactily. Yeah. So I mean there's like a whole part of your brain that would be underdeveloped and that sure. just in and of itself is a bad idea. yeah, I would think so. Um,
0: they also have e- uh, you can scan books now too. that's one of the easier ways to translate now using um, optical character recognition technology and you can scan a book and they can translate it into Braille for you. They well you can send computer. it to
1: a Braille printer. Well yeah, sure. Um, you can understand though why somebody who uh, is blind would want to you know listen to an audio book. Yeah, it's faster. It is faster. Apparently, um, the average Braille reader can read at a rate of 125 to 200 words per minute. By contrast, the average sighted eighth grader can read about 205 words per minute, and college students read about 280 words per minute. So if you're in college and you're blind, it's probably not even necessarily a question of laziness. It's a question of just trying to keep up. Right. You know?
0: Sure. I'm a slow reader. What about you? Very slow. Are you? Yeah. Interesting. I am too. Yeah. Like when I read a book, I'm a. I call it deliberate. Because yeah, people I say can... you read slow, but I I read very deliberately, and I'll reread a sentence to get it just right. I'm right. not a scanner at all. No, I'm not either. And I say scanners stink. I do too, Chuck. These people that I see reading, like uh, you take these tests where you read, see how fast you can read, reading comprehension. And I've done this on like people's blogs, and people logged on and said they read this many words, and I literally did my eyes and time myself and it's i can't even
1: scan that fast i don't see how they can be absorbing these words they're probably not it's all just sitting there and working memory for a minute and then it's gone i ingest it buddy i do too good for like you. a pie <laughs> like pie or like a pie like a whole pie okay i thought you meant like pie so chuck um still like we said there's braille all over the place Many languages of Braille specific to that country. Yeah. Again, there's no universal Braille. No. There's not even a universal English Braille. No. Uh, the Braille in the UK and Wales and the United States are all different. Well, yeah, they're different
0: codes. And luckily, we have the, uh, the Braille Authority of North America here in the U.S. of A., and they do publish standards for these codes, but you have to know what code you're reading because... The same cell can mean one thing in one code and something else in a different code.
1: Right. And um, also, there's notations. There's Braille for music. Sure. Uh, English Braille, American edition, is used for um, things like novels and magazines, basically literature, right? Right. Then you have the Nemeth Code of Braille, mathematics and scientific notation for math and science. Sure. Because, I mean, think about Sigma, there's nothing in the English alphabet that, that signifies sigma. Right. And that thing pops up a lot and terrifies me whenever I see it in an equation. Me too. Uh, then you've got computer braille code, uh, code for ASCII. A-S-C-I, a-k-a-2. Two. ASCII. Two. Right. Um, and chemical notations and, and music, right? Right. So you, the the whole point of these um, standard authorities is to bring all this together so that their unsighted people in their country can all know what the hell they're reading.
0: Right. And they're, like we said, every country literally has their own Braille. Uh, There's even Chinese Braille with the characters representing sounds that make up the language. Yeah. Hebrew Braille, Josh, as well, which sounds like the grade one uh, Braille with each letter and number representing its own cell.
1: Right. And then, of course, Chuck, there's the newest Braille alphabet, which is Tibetan, Welcome Tibetan Braille to the family. <laughs> a uh, a woman named Sebri Ten Birkin uh, created the code uh, so that she could read Tibetan manuscripts, and she realized that she had just created a new Braille language, and took it to to Tibet and started teaching blind Tibetan children. That's awesome. Tibetan Braille. So you could literally invent a Braille method if you wanted to.
0: Oh, I have. Oh. <laughs> really? Yeah. Josh Braille. Uh, and you know they're still working on this. Many countries have agencies and departments that evaluate their own codes and try and uh, institute or implement new improvements in technology. That kind of thing. Like this one I saw. I don't understand the the benefit here. So there's a new display prototype that can be rolled up like paper. Yeah. Uh, so do people? Do we still do scrolls? Who does that? I, I
1: think that's on its way out with yeah. the ref- the refreshable type. Aside from your like diploma and what <laughs> what else? A poster of uh. You know anything that has to do with papyrus right it's generally <laughs> scrolled you know silk that kind of thing I guess that's a good thing and then whale, uh, whale, sorry uh, braille libraries web Braille libraries right available online so it seems like uh, Braille is everywhere right? Sure I'll tell you one place it's not in the United States oh no it's just the fact of the day our currency. Yeah. Chuck, out of 180 countries in the world that use paper currency, the United States is the only one that makes its paper currency the same size and the same shape regardless of denomination. Yeah. If you are blind, uh-huh. you have to come up with your own clever tricks to keep track of it. And you're, although it probably rarely happens, sure. you're constantly under threat of being ripped off because well, you yeah, have yeah. no idea. You just know you have a paper bill. It could be a one or a hundred. You have no clue. True. They fold paper the, the bills isn't that one of the tricks? That, that is one trick and there is a big debate even within um, blind uh, uh, blind advocacy groups of whether or not the. US should go to the trouble of putting any kind of tactile imprint right. on their currency True. or should blind people just make do you know uh, but I'm getting you a gift chuck Oh no what I went on to Amazon and I found this thing called the pocket Brailer. Okay. (laughs) And it hooks on your keychain, and it has um, one, two, three, four, five. It has six little um, notches. Okay. And you put the corner of your paper currency into the appropriate notch. So if it's a one, you put it in the one notch. Ah. And you press down, and you can actually emboss, you can braille uh, your currency. That's a great idea. Not for yourself, but if a blind person ever comes in contact with it, they have it – already brailled for them. So if everyone got
0: these and did this to their the dollars that flow their way, uh-huh. eventually we could have enough money out there that we're, we're, where we've done it ourselves. Yeah. I mean, think about Forget it. If the you government. just – every
1: time you came in contact with a, a piece of paper currency, you marked it, forgot about it, got back into circulation, that kind of gets around. You know what I say to that? What? Puta, puta, puta. Nice. So I'm going on to Amazon. It's actually from a site called MaxiAid, which is a very unfortunate name for a website, but – They sell the uh, pocket brailler for $6.79, and I'm getting you one, buddy. Really? I'm getting myself one, too. That's pretty cool. Yeah. All right. Well, if everyone else out there got them, then maybe we could make a real difference in this
0: world. I agree. Of course, the the, uh, blind people would have to know that this movement is going on.
1: Not necessarily. I think that... And trust that they were marked correctly. Well, that's kind of the thing. I mean, I'm sure there's a jerk out there who will do it the opposite way, but... (laughs) That person's going to hell anyway, so... Yeah, good point. Yeah, threefold. Remember the witch's rule of three. That's
0: right. Come back on your head three times,
1: buddy. If you want to uh, read more about Braille, um, you can type that word, B-R-A-I-L-L-E, into the handy search bar at HowStuffWorks.com, which leads us, of course, to Listener Mail. Yes, Josh.
0: Anyone out there who listens to this much of the show and listens to Listener Mail... All eight of you. They know two things: we love email from our young friends, yes, and we love email in broken English. And in, we love free stuff. And this is both. Actually, not all three. This is not free stuff.
1: This is. I'm going to call this broken I really English. Know
0: this one from young Lucy. Uh, young Lucy, we'll just call it the that. cutest recent immigrant in the United States. <laughs> this is great. And I, of course, as we always like to coa and say we're not making fun of anyone. No. He's doing adorable. a great job of writing in English, and we just think it's uh, a good time. Hello, Josh and Chuck from the podcast. I am 14 years of age, and I enjoy to listen to the podcast plenty. It's a good start. I write this on friends' email due to the fact that I myself do not have email. I write another before, but is not certain if it arrived to the dwelling of you, so I write again. I love the podcast, and the joke you say make I laughing so hard. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. So she thinks you're funny. Yeah. I try hard on English, but it's still no good. Josh and Chuck help plenty, and I find I learn new thing every one of the days. That is awesome. So she's learning things all the time from us.
1: She should, Her parents should probably be afraid.
0: Probably so. Uh, I come to Canada from China and like to live here. Every day here is joyous, and all people are happy and also kind. <laughs> That's so, about right for Canada. Yeah, she must be in Vancouver. Yeah. Um, My mother jokes that I am too much in interest with podcasts and says she is wondering if I am in love with podcast Josh. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I respond with wholehearted no and declare him too (laughs) married and he much too old for my young and small age 14. Very true. That is a good girl. Josh is not married though, we should say. I listen to old podcast with Chris and am wondered why oh why, Chris, does Josh work? Is Chris slave? slavery not accepted in Canada neither should in USA agreed agreed I love to hear you and good day to you I try hard to write this and I'm hoping happiness and health for you from your fan number one Lucy
1: goodbye no use slave
0: okay. Lucy agree more
1: I am not married I am very much taken but I gotta tell you if I weren't I would wait for you you sound like a very she is quite a charmer
0: passionate charming young lady yeah and welcome to Canada. Can I speak for Canadians? I guess. Welcome to Canada We, uh, we do China. here in the U.S. anyway. Right. And uh, thanks for listening, Lucy. That's really very,
1: very cute. Agreed. So uh, if you have a super heartbreakingly cute email that you want to send us, you know we like those a lot. We're suckers for them. You just uh, wrap it up. Send it along to Podcast at HowStuffWorks.com.